Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to the Relove Podcast. This is Pastor Seth Yolorda, and I want to thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to listen to this week's message. Our prayer is that it will leave you inspired, encouraged, and challenged as you grow higher in Christ. And I also just want to ask that if this message is a blessing to you, that you would take the time to share it, to send it to a friend, send it to a family member so that they too can be blessed. Again, we thank you for taking the time to listen, and we pray that you are blessed. Would you just pray with me again? Father, I just thank you for how you have led this church uh, over the last, man, 30 years of existence, but just the last five, six years with me um, being a part of this ministry. And I'm confident that you have plans that you will continue to lead this church, lead this church forward in the future. And so we just release that into your hands and we surrender it unto you and we trust that you do all things well and you will do all things well. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn with me to your Bibles to the book of Mark chapter 4. Uh, book of Mark chapter 4 and we're going to read verses 35 through 41. The book of Mark chapter 4 verses 35 through 41. The Bible says, as evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. This is not the, it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat, verse 38, with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, teacher, don't you care that we were going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence, be still. Silence, be still. Turn to your neighbor and say silence. <laughs> be still. <laughs> Suddenly the wind stopped. There was a great calm. Then he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And uh, the disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to God. Uh, for the next four weeks, um, we're going to be talking from the theme, picture perfect. Can you just say picture perfect? I mean, you, look about, you think about this stage up here with the Christmas trees and the lights. And uh, if you have been through, you know, any type of downtown area, the lights are on and it just looks picture perfect. There is something spectacular and just, just warm fuzzies pr producing when you come around Christmas because you see whether it's the lights or the snow, not so much in Southern California, but the fake snow or the Santa Clauses or the hot chocolate or your favorite uh, Christmas Starbucks drink. Um, it just has this, this, this feeling of right and just a feeling of being everything beautiful and everything perfect. And I think to a lot of degrees, I think the reason why we love Christmas so much um, is because there is a nostalgia that is attached to it for many of us when we think about our own childhood growing up and how Christmas was the happiest time, generally speaking, for a lot of our homes where families would come together, grandparents would come over, presents were handed out. Uh, as kids, you got to eat your favorite cookies or desserts, and it was just a very fun time. And we think about that, and we long for that type of experience and that feeling again. 
When you think about your life, um, this idea of perfection, I think is something that all of us are on some level either chasing or we are some level resenting, this idea of trying to live and have a perfect life, a picture-perfect life. Has anyone in here ever taken a glamour shots before? Anyone in here? Yeah, there's a few, right? Does anyone know what Glamour Shots is? Yeah, all of y'all. Uh, where you go into, where is it, JCPenney or Sears or who has it nowadays? Uh, where, you know, you go into these studios and you get dressed up and you take your best shots. I've received already a handful of Christmas cards from our neighbors and from our family and friends who have already taken their Christmas photos and they're in the field, Sam, with the, with the weeds blowing around them and... And the kids, everyone is color coordinated, and it's just a picture perfect shot. I want to actually show you a picture that my wife and I took um, some time ago, many, many years ago, uh, actually. If you can put that picture up there for me. Um, my wife and I, we took this picture, uh, and that is a picture of a picture. So uh, uh, we took that picture. What, what year is this? 2020. One, that picture was taken probably in 2011, so maybe about 10 years ago, um, we took that picture. It was at my former church in Chattanooga, and we were taking pictures for our church, our church directory. Y'all remember those old school church directories that you'd have pictures of everyone's family, Olden, Olden Mills, right? And so that was for our church directory, and uh, it was a picture that we took. But what you don't know about that picture there, as beautiful as I might say that picture is, what you don't know about that picture is that my wife and I, just a few minutes before taking that picture, had one of the biggest arguments we don't ever had. We had only been married for about a year now, and I'll never forget, and, and we were driving to the church, and it was, Rachel, just a dog-eat-dog, throw-down argument. I mean, we weren't throwing fists now. We were being civilized, but we were throwing words up in that car. And I wish I could tell you what the argument was about, Marilyn. I don't even remember what the argument was about. All I know is that I am sitting there with my wife in between my legs, and I am furious. <laughs> I can say it now because we didn't survive. And, and, and actually, tomorrow is going to be year 11 for us, our anniversary, right? And so, yeah, thank you. And so I remember that, and I remember trying to, I mean, that's kind of like a half smile. I mean, she's just in full smile mode. I kind of got one of those half smiles, like, yes, you're sitting here, but I really do not want you sitting here right now. Cameraman, hurry up and take the picture so I can get up out of here. The circumstances surrounding this picture were less than ideal. And yet, from the look of that picture, you would say, man, that is a happy couple. That is a picture-perfect family. Especially we ain't no kids. Come on now. <laughs> it was just us. Picture-perfect family. And yet the context of that picture and the circumstances surrounding that picture were anything but perfect. Have you ever been there before? where you just had one of those moments, but yet you had to fake it till you made it through the moment, and you were just trying to put it on and act a, an active role and just try to like get through, but you knew in your mind that this, this circumstance is not where I want to be right now in this situation. 
I think we all are striving and pushing for, on some level, perfection. And I'm not talking about a a moral perfection or necessarily a, a theological perfection, but we just want to have lives that are free from drama. Do I have a witness? We want to have lives that are free from frustration and tension and contention. We want to have lives where our children are obedient and our children are obedient and our children are obedient. We want to have lives where our bank accounts are full, where we don't have to worry about if we're going to have enough money to make it through the end of the month. We want to have lives where when we go to the doctor, we have get positive blood work back because we're healthy and we're happy and we're, our mental and spiritual and physical life is in balance. And, and the reality, though, is, is that many of our lives are not perfect. Do I have a witness? And yet I believe from reading the word of God, that God actually wants us to have perfect lives. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me step out there a little bit. I believe that God desires for us to have perfect lives. I think he might define perfection a little bit differently than how we define perfection. But nonetheless, I believe that God is longing and wishing and pushing all of us to living a life. In fact, in fact, Matthew chapter 5, and we're not going to go to it now, but in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is talking and he says, uh, he talks about the Father and he says, listen, therefore be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father in heaven is also perfect. Now we know that perfection from a biblical standpoint is, does not mean flawless or without fault, but perfection from a biblical standpoint actually means mature that you are able to endure, that you have a level of stability and a level of intestinal fortitude, that you can make it through some situations. And, and though the situations and the circumstances around you might be less than ideal, they do not cause you to compromise. They do not cause you to throw in the towel. They do not cause you to get overwhelmed with anxiety and fear and, 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 and regret, but you are able to withstand the tests and the trials of life. God desires us to be perfect and to have perfect lives. In fact, he says it in so many words in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. I want to read this one to you. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Um, this is Paul writing, and Paul says, Do, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you what? By changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, which is what else? Come on now, which is what else? Pleasing and perfect. That God's will and God's plan for your life, sitting right here in this building at home watching online, that God's plan for your life is in fact perfect. Perfect meaning that there is no better way he could have planned your life than the way he planned your life. Perfect. Meaning that if he could go back and do it all over again with the same circumstances and the same situation that you were born into, he would do it all the exact same way because God's plan is perfect. The challenge and the frustration and the confusion that I think you and I experience, if you look at this text, there's a key word in this text. It says, but let, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. That for many of us, we don't think our lives are perfect because of the way we think. 
But God says that when you really get in tune with me and understand, understand how I move and who I am and who I'm trying to be in your life, you will very clearly understand that, that, that my will for you is, in fact, not just good, it's not just pleasing, but my will for you is also perfect. Perfect. Turn to your neighbor and say, perfect. But too often, I think, we... We don't see God's plan for us because we are looking at our circumstances and we say, God, how can this be perfect? And my wife just left me. God, how can this be perfect? I'm going through this hard uh, health challenge. God, how can this be perfect? I just lost my loved one. God, how can this be perfect? I am currently going through this, this trial or this tribulation. I have so much frustration on my job. I feel so confused. God, how can this be perfect? Mind you, God does not plan, does not promise perfect circumstances. What he promises is perfect plans. There's a difference. And I want to show you this difference in Matthew in chapter chapter 4. Matthew in chapter 4, we read a story of the, the, of the disciples who God has called, and they are following him, and he is leading them, and he's guiding them, and, 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 and he had just preached a sermon, and he says, you know what, let's, let's get in the boat, and let's cross over together. And so in Matthew chapter 4, verse 35, the Bible says, as evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side. So they get into this boat, and they begin to cross to the other side. Now, let me ask you the question, whose idea was it that they crossed to the other side. Whose idea was it? It was Jesus's idea. It was Jesus's idea that they crossed the other side, which tells to tell us that where they are in that boat at that time, at that, expe- that, that exact moment, is not because one of them had a bright idea. It wasn't because Peter said, hey, let's go to cross to the other side and see if we can get into some trouble. It wasn't because they were mischievous or nefarious or trying to somehow um, do something outside of God's plan for their life. No, they were in fact in that moment abiding and operating and obeying the plan of God for their life. In that moment, God said, go to the other side. They said, yes, we will go to the other side. And yet we quickly learn, the Bible tells us, that Jesus took them in the boat. They started out leaving the crowds behind. Other boats followed. But as soon a, but soon a fierce storm came up, high waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. What this text tells us is that you can be following the plan of God for your life and still run into some hell. <laughs> I got a witness in the house. God, you told me to marry her. Yes, I did tell you to marry her. God, you told me he was the one. Yes, he is the one. I didn't tell you it was going to be perfect. I didn't tell you it was going to be a bed of roses. I didn't tell you you would never have um, some trials or tribulations. In fact, the reason why I wanted y'all to get together is because I knew that y'all would just get under each other's skin just enough to force y'all to come before me in prayer and surrender this thing to me. God, you told me. God, I thought this was. God, I claimed your promise. And yet the text is very clear. As evening comes, they were in the boat and a fierce storm arose, which lets us know, and I want to say it again so that we can get it through our minds, is that you can be following God and still go through drama, doing the exact same thing that God told you to do. Has anyone ever read the story of Daniel? 
Have you ever read the story of the three Hebrew boys? Have you ever read the story of Esther? Have you ever read the story of Ruth? Individuals who were consecrated and committed to God. Individuals whose minds were set up and steadfast to follow God. And yet they still found themselves in some difficult, messed up situations. So let us, and I've said this to you so many times, let us debunk that great myth, which we, many of us believe is that somehow when you surrender to God, that should be a get out of jail free card. No, 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 baby. I'm sorry. Sometimes when you surrender God, it's actually like, yeah, let me come arrest you. It's actually sending you to some place you actually do not want to go. I mean, David says it to us best in Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. All of that sounds good. He, 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 he anoints my head with oil. He, he leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. What are you talking about? We just read that he leads you beside green pastures and still waters. He allows you to lay down in green pastures. He leads you in the path of righteousness. And then now you find yourself in the midst of the valley of the shadow of death. That's just the reality sometimes. No, 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 no. A lot of times when it comes to following God, you will find yourself in some valleys. And it's not because God somehow has it out for you. It's not because God is somehow trying to make your life harder than what it has to be. That's just the reality of life. That it doesn't always work out. And you don't always get the promotion. And you don't always get that positive result. And it doesn't, you can't always stay, you know, happy and, 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 and gay all the time. But sometimes... A lot of times, you will find yourself going through some mess. And yet, I can still say with confidence that even though you might be through the, walking through the valley of the shadow of death, that God's plan is still perfect. That his plan is still perfect. Do y'all believe the word of God in here? I know it's, it's, it's tough to reconcile. It's tough to reconcile. It's tough to reconcile. See, see, see the disciples in verse 37, the Bible tells us, the Bible tells us that a fierce storm came up on Matthew 4. The waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. Like I can only imagine that the disciples were sitting in this boat and Jesus is in the back of the boat and the boat is being overwhelmed with high water. And I can only imagine that in their mind, they're saying, this is not the picture we had in our mind when Jesus told us to follow him. I can only imagine in their mind, they were thinking that, you know what, this, this can't be what it's supposed to be like following Jesus. And so there they are trying to, uh, to, to, to pour the water, to, to, to move the water out of the boat so that the boat does not drown. All the while, verse 38 tells us that Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up. Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? High waters, flooding the boat. That's the disciples' experience. Jesus' experience is head on a cushion. <laughs> High waters, head on a cushion. Both of them are in the same boat, Brandon. Both of them are in the same boat, the same context, same environment, engaged in the same circumstance. One is experiencing high waters. The other is experiencing baby-like sleep, head on a cushion. My mind, I'm like, wasn't the cushion getting wet? 
that's where my mind goes. If there's so much water, how is your head on a cushion? Shouldn't the cushion be getting wet? And wouldn't the wet cushion, have you ever slept on a wet cushion? Most of y'all sleep on wet cushions. It's from your own wet. Yeah, y'all know what I'm talking about. Uh, but but some, have you ever woken up to like y- your face is like, and you realize, yeah, y'all acting like y'all ain't never in y'all life. Come on now. Like y'all know when, you, when the sleep gets good, Jane, it gets good. And it's one of those wake up where you wake up and you realize that you kind of like do one of these numbers here. Oh, y'all acting brand new up in here. Okay. Y'all be civilized if you want. Like, like Jesus is getting that head on cushion, good sleep up in this situation. And the question is, while, while we are over here fighting our circumstance and Jesus is over here enjoying sweet rest, the question is, does God care? That's the question. How, how is it that you can, that you can, that you can actually care about me? If you're allowing me to go through this situation, how is it, Jesus, that you can actually say that your plan for my life is perfect if I'm about to lose a loved one? How is it, God, that you can say your plan for my life is perfect and that you love me and care about me if my wife and I are going through this horrible situation right now? How is it, God, that you can say you care about me if it feels like all of the pillars of stability in my life are beginning to crumble and fold? Jesus! Don't you care that we're going to drown? Jesus wakes up. And I feel like in that moment, uh, Jesus wakes up and he looks around at the situation. And Jesus, as I imagine, is reasoning within himself that, that me not responding to your high waves does not mean I don't care. Um, me not responding to your high waves actually has nothing to do with how I feel about you or the situation. It has everything to do with you in the situation. Okay, okay, let me try to explain this. Um, so this week in my house, we had a, um, a leaky faucet in our bathroom. And you ever have a leaky faucet and the water just slowly drips? And it's one of those things where you say to yourself, well, Nick, you know, it's not dripping that much. I think I can wait, right? Have you ever reason? Any, anybody reason? Right? It's not dripping. I mean, it's like a few drips, right? But, but over time, it gets, just gets more and more and more. And so I took, I took the piece off and I was, had a, uh, pliers and I was trying to fix it. And it was just more than I felt like dealing with at that moment, uh, Mark. I was just like, you know, I'm just, I don't feel like dealing with this at the moment, so I'm going to deal with it tomorrow. Uh, and so I went to bed. I went to bed with the leaky faucet um, because I did not want to deal with it at that moment. When did I not want to deal with it? At that moment, I didn't want to deal with it. Uh, I was more tired than I was concerned about the leaky faucet. And so I went to bed. Uh, about 2 o'clock in the morning, uh, my wife wakes me up, and she's like, Seth, like, the faucet's leaking. Y'all, I'm just like, I didn't want to deal with it then. You think I want to deal with it now? I don't want to deal with it now. But she's like, she's like, no, like, and, and, and I don't know why she chose to do this. It was one of those wake-ups, like, like, she didn't just, like, touch me on the other side of the bed. Like, she got up out of her bed. She walked around to my side, and she was looking over at me like, like, the faucet's leaking, bro. Like, what are you doing sleeping? The faucet's leaking. And I was thinking to myself, like, okay, I, I get it, but, 
but it's really not that big of a deal. Like the faucet's leaking. Like, I'll fix it later. And then she said, no, like it's leaking to the point where like the water won't shut off. Like it's just, it's just now this is just, it just got worse. It's just running overnight. It's just running. And so I got up out of bed and I went and true enough, like I was trying to fix it and it wasn't shutting off. So I just had to, to undo it from the bottom of the sink, you know, uh, you know, and then the bottom broke and water was coming out. The, it was, listen, it was a mess. <laughs> Right. It was, you know, two o'clock in the morning. I was just like, you know what? I don't want to deal with this right now. Like, like this situation right here that I'm faced with is, is, is not where I really want to spend my energy at two o'clock in the morning. However, because she had asked and the situation was clearly, you know, getting exponentially worse, I had to move from where I was comfortably nestled in my bed to now try to resolve this bathroom issue, all because I did not want to address it earlier. And it was, I, I was thinking about this. I said to myself, as I was looking through this word, I said, man, I almost feel like this was kind of like what Christ was experiencing in this moment where he was, he was, he was safe in his bed. He was very safe in his, in the, in the cot, in the boat. You know, he was, you know, head on pillows and they woke him up like, yo, like, like we're about to drown, bruh. Like, like, what are you doing? Don't you care? Like the boss is leaking. And I can only imagine that it's like, well, like, I'm thinking to myself as I woke up that night, like, well, you could actually fix it. You're like, just turn. But clearly it was beyond what she felt like dealing with. And so now I found that the disciples, Jesus similarly is like, you know what? Like, like, why are you making a big deal out of this situation? Like, don't you realize that all of this, the wind and the waves and everything that you're going through right now, like, what, where, why are you so afraid of this? Where, Jesus says, is your, your faith. I almost think that Jesus was really trying to communicate to them in that moment that you could have fixed this. Like, like, like you didn't have to call on me to fix this. Like, we've been kind of journeying together long enough now. Like, you've seen my work. I've, I've commissioned you. I've called you to do certain things. Like, like, this circumstance that you're facing right now is actually something that you could resolve on your own if you had faith to resolve it. But Jesus stands up and he says to them, after he rebukes the wind and the wave, he says to them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? What is it that Jesus is trying to communicate to us in this moment right here? He had one who told him to get into the boat. He was the one that told him to cross over. He was the one who decided to take a, to take a nap in the boat. They found themselves in the storm. They're frustrated and stressed out because they're in the storm. And Jesus then wakes up and calms the storm and says, where is your faith? And I can only imagine in their minds, they're like, listen, I don't, I don't know if I signed up for all of this with when I decide to follow you because this circumstance, this situation is less than ideal. And, and, and yet they are still in God's plan. They are still following God, though they're experiencing a less than ideal circumstance. And this is the point for us today is that when it comes to God's plans, God's perfect plans for your life do not require perfect circumstances. God's perfect plans do not require perfect circumstances. Do you understand the difference between the two? The circumstance is kind of what I'm physically, mentally, emotionally uh, experiencing in this moment. 
And I want to make sure that there's the, the, the circumstances and the environment are perfect. But God says, no, 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 no. I don't require perfect circumstances in order for my perfect plan to manifest in your life. My plan for your life is, in fact, perfect. And it will manifest and it will come to life in the midst of imperfect circumstances. Let me try to illustrate it this way. So this, this morning, I was actually reading um, the, the, the Jesus story, uh, the birth of Jesus, and I was reading through uh, Luke in chapter 2, I think it was, and it blew my mind in Luke in chapter 2, where the Bible talks about how Jesus was born in a manger. Now, we know that Jesus' life, that he is the Savior of the world, that the, the plan of salvation is God's perfect plan to redeem all of humanity. Do I have a witness in the house? Amen. So it is God's plan. The way that I'm going to redeem you is by sending my son to die on a cross and my son will bring salvation to everyone who believes in, my, in, his, in his name that you will be saved and you will not perish. That is God's perfect plan of salvation. And yet God's perfect plan was birthed into a less than ideal set of circumstances. Mary and Joseph being born in a manger, that was not perfect circumstances. If you read even more of the context, uh, uh, Herod is on a rampage to try to find Jesus and kill Jesus, so he decides to kill all of the baby boys under a certain age. That is still less than perfect. And yet in this mess of a drama, of a situation that Jesus finds himself birthed in is God's perfect plan. So the question is, how is it that so many times you and I find ourselves in messy situations and less than ideal situations, and we fail to see the plan of God. How is it that you and I, recognizing that God's plan doesn't require perfect circumstances, how is it that you and I still struggle with following the plan and submitting to the plan and walking in obedience to plan because we feel as though the circumstances are less than ideal? I believe it's because, as we read in Romans chapter 2, I believe it's because is that we do not see the plan of God through our circumstances, through the eyes of faith. Let me just talk about it just for a minute. That for you to truly understand God's plan for your life, it requires you looking at that plan through the eyes of faith. Because faith says it doesn't make sense. Faith says uh, one plus one is clearly not equaling two. Faith says that this is not ideal, and this is not how I would have wanted it to be, but nonetheless, I am going to trust God that God's plan is, in fact, perfect. That God's plan for my life is perfect, even though I am surrounded by these less-than-perfect circumstances. I love how Hebrews 11 says it in verse 3. In Hebrews 11, verse 3, the author of Hebrews says, through faith, uh, through faith, say through faith, through faith, 
the worlds were, were, were created. That which does not appear was made by, that which, that which appears was made by that which does not appear. It's almost like the author of Hebrews in 11 verse 3, he's trying to communicate to us that for you to truly understand how all of this came to be, you only can understand it if you look through the lens of faith. And what I'm trying to communicate to you about your life and my life and where we're going in the future of, 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 of where God is trying to take not just this church, but your life individually is that your life doesn't make, won't make sense until you look at your life through the lens of faith. Otherwise, you will spend the bulk of your time trying to fix your circumstances in order to have and produce a perfect life. But you cannot fix circumstances. All you can do is trust that when all hell breaks loose, that God's plan will still prevail. That, that when, that when it's, it's less than ideal and there's a circumstance that's beyond my control, right, that even though I don't fully understand it, it's something that I can't maybe wave a magic wand. I can't, I, can't, I can't spin my way out of this circumstance. I can't talk my way out of this circumstance. That this thing is, 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 is too big for me. In those moments, I have to fall back and say, you know what? I just trust that the plan of God for my life and the plan of God for my family, it will still prevail because God's plan is perfect. And he really, for some crazy reason, he really likes to allow his plans to really kind of sprout in the midst of messed up circumstances. And so God is trying to remind us that the picture for your life, whether it is an abundance in your marriage or your family or your your health, mental health, spiritual health, whatever that picture is, that the picture is only perfect when you look at it through the eyes of faith. So I have to resign in my spirit and in my heart that God, even though I don't understand, I will trust that you are ordering my steps. Even though I don't fully understand, I will trust that you are the one who is moving and, and, and maneuvering and positioning God. Even though I don't fully understand, I am just going to believe beyond belief that all things work together for good. In this life and in the life to come. I don't fully understand, but I trust that when it's all said and done, I will be able to stand back and say, God, just and true are your ways. I couldn't, I couldn't see it. I couldn't, I couldn't tell it. But just and true are your ways. You know, there's an author by the name of Ellen White who says, um, she believes that when we get to heaven, interesting, she says when we get to heaven, that she believes that we will be able to look back over our lives here on earth and that you and I will be able to look at all of the the highs and lows, the drama, the mess that we've experienced on on earth. And when we see how it has all been strung together and now we are standing in glory, that you and I will be able to look back and say, you know what? I would have had it no other way. You hear that? That possibly when you get to heaven and you look back 
over your life and you see the loss and you see the pain and you see the suffering and you see the frustration and yet you still see the joy and you see the peace and you see how God comforted you and God kept you and God led you through it all that you will be able to look back and you would have said, you know what? I would, knowing what I know now, standing in glory, I would have done it no other way. You see, right now, you and I are, are of the mind that if I could wave a wand over my life, there might be a few things I would change up in here. Am I the only one? I'm the only one? No, no, no. Yeah, there's a few things I would change, right? Wouldn't have made that decision, wouldn't have gone there, would have, you know, made this person a little bit different than this, and switch, switch this around and let me swap that piece out for that piece. If, like if we could go back, maybe you would have showed up to class on time and not skipped that test and paid that bill so that you didn't get foreclosed. I mean, you would have probably done some things differently now. But when you stand and you see all of your life from the perspective of salvation and you see how everything was woven together perfectly, perfectly, perfectly woven together, you will say, I would have done it no other way. I want you to be able to say that now, but you can only say that now if you live a life of faith. Because faith says, I don't see it, it doesn't make sense, but I still believe that God's plan is perfect. So I will trust God's plan. So are you going through some high waters? Does it feel like the boat is overflowing and you're drowning and it feels like Christ is nowhere to be found? He's sleeping somewhere on a boat, sleeping somewhere in the back of the boat? Have faith. Have faith. Have faith. God's plan is still perfect. You will not drown. <laughs> you will not drown. This is not the end. This sickness is not unto death. Turn to your neighbor and say, you will not drown. Come on now. You will not drown. Have faith in God. How many believe the word of God in this place? Father in heaven, circumstances are not always what we like, desire, or appreciate. But in this moment, we acknowledge that even though there might be some high waters and the boat of our life might feel like it's drowning, God, you are still in that same boat. That you haven't left us, you haven't forsaken us. That you are with us and that we need not fear what man might do because our God will prevail. Father, someone in the house is experiencing some high waters in their relationships. They don't know which direction to go. Maybe it's a dating relationship. Maybe it's a marriage relationship. They don't know what they should do. They feel like they're at their wit's end. God, would you just stand up and say, peace be still? Would they be able to follow you with faith 
through faith, knowing that you will see them through this season. Father, there are some who are experiencing high waters in their, their finances, in their professional life. They're confused. They, they feel like they're drowning. They're, they're looking for a way out. They're trying to breathe, and it just feels like there's no margin in their lives. Working two, three jobs. Feel like they have no time to truly just rest. And they know it's not sustainable. God, I pray for that, that person right now that they would fall in the arms of Christ by faith. And they might know that you are with them. God, open doors and just blow our minds. And may we, may we be in awe like the disciples who, when they saw you calm the sea, may they, they stood back and they said, wow, what manner of man is this? God, may we have that same experience with you. What manner of man is this? That he can calm the winds and the waves of my marriage. He can calm the winds and the waves of my job. He can calm the winds and the waves of my mind and allow peace to reign. Father, there's someone in the house right now who is on the edge of making a life or death decision. They might feel like they don't have anything to live for. They're not looking forward to this Christmas holiday. And right now, God, they just want to end it. Father, my prayer is that you would surround that person with your love. That you would just restore hope that you're that the glory of the Father would pierce through the dark clouds of discouragement. And that person might know that you love them with an everlasting love and that you have purpose and that you have a perfect plan for their life. And that though this circumstance might feel like it's a constraint around them, that there's no way of escaping it, God, would you show them that you are still in control of the winds and the waves. Father, I pray that that person would find a renewed spirit, a renewed joy, renewed purpose, and that their life would bear much fruit to your name's honor and glory. So Father, we stand in our boats with the high waves all around us and we do not fear we nestle close to you on that soft pillow trusting that if you were in control of the winds and the waves then you are still in control of the winds and the waves today we bless you and we thank you in Jesus name let everyone who believes say amen and amen.